Ever wonder what it's like to be an Instagram celebrity? To have hundreds and thousands of followers for years glued to what you do, or in Ryan Hinkson's case, what you eat. On today's episode, we talk to Ryan, the mastermind behind the insanely popular food Instagram account, Eat Famous. With over 200,000 followers and food posts that'll make a dream a bit bigger on your cheat days, Ryan gives us the inside scoop on what it's like to be internet famous, how he grew his following, and the misconceptions that come with a certain level of success. This truly is the reality of Instagram fame. So Ryan, first of all, thank you for joining us today. No problem at all. And secondly, congratulations. You and your wife are expecting your first child. Thank you so much. Like the biggest thing, um, you know, I've been listening to you guys. So I know that Tom is a pretty recent father. Um, So yeah, I'm sure he knows like, uh, how I feel right now. So Tom, is there one piece of advice you can give to Ryan, like raw sugar-free advice? Oh man, I guess going into it, I thought I had everything figured out a little bit. My sister has four kids. My dad's from a family of 15. I've been around babies my whole life. I've changed plenty of diapers. I've fed kids. I've taken care of them and babysat them and whatnot. But it's definitely different when you can't tap out, when you can't get a break, when it's your kid and that's it. You just gotta, you gotta take care of your little person. So um, I would just say be patient. Don't judge yourself or your partner. Remember, you're both on the same team and that uh, you're working together. Um, and try to be the best teammates you possibly can because there's times you're going to be tired or impatient or wondering how to solve something. And so just being patient and uh, not judging yourself, that's what I would say. You know, I was going to say, how long are you going to wait until you give your child that green light to start your own social media account? You know, what's funny is um, we bought our first kind of like uh, piece of clothing that is definitely more about us than than the kid. It was like a little onesie with a camera on it that says blogger. So they might get a green light like right out the gate. I don't know. <laughs> but no, Amazing. Yeah. You know, all, you know, it's weird. And I... It's such a weird thing because, I mean, this whole world of, of social and um, I guess using it for for good or for income or for whatever, although it's been so good to me, like, you know, there's that other side that is like you, because I know how to time, man, man, sorry, time manage and I use it for actual social aspects, like, so I'm fine with it, but then there's a part of me that wonders, like, how much of it do I want my my kid to be involved in? It's such a weird thing, especially because it's something I'm close to. Maybe it's like, I don't know, a boxer who doesn't want their kid to box, you know? It, well, it might be because you've been going at it for so long. When did you first launch your account? Um, so I started the account just over, just over five years ago. So in the past five years, you've amassed a huge following of 272,000 followers on Instagram alone. Yeah. When you started the account, what was your initial goal? So the, the funny thing is, is, um, eFamous was not born at all to be what it is today. Uh, like it, a friend of mine, uh, short story made even shorter, had an idea for uh, a food related business. And he knew that I did some marketing in school and some writing that he had seen me do. So he asked if I was interested in kind of hearing his elevator pitch about what he wanted to do. And I was like, yeah, of course, for sure. 
and at that point, um, social media wasn't really on my radar, not even like personally, to be honest, but um, I, I like what he had to say. And so I was kind of in charge of marketing and communication for this idea that he had. And part of that at the time, I believe he was like, maybe we should start a Facebook account or Twitter for just branding purposes. So that's what got me into Instagram. Cause I think I had just gotten a personal account maybe a couple of weeks before. And I thought if you want to do something that deals with marketing food, this just seems to be a really, really great tool because it's visual and immersive. So that's what prompted me to start um, using Instagram. I'll tell you guys a, a really funny story. I don't know if it's inspiring or if it's going to be embarrassing, but prior to um, the eFamous account, I had zero uh, social media knowledge. I had zero social media presence. I didn't even have a personal a Facebook account until I think about three years after Eat Famous like started to get really, really popular. I was like, okay, I guess Facebook makes sense. And still to this day, I've never owned a professional camera. So the guy who's been able to earn some money <laughs> on uh, posting on social media, like by taking photos has never used social media prior. And I'm not a photographer, so I'm basically like a, a Kardashian. So again, I don't know if it's inspirational or embarrassing. So Ryan, it's funny at the influence agency, sometimes we get people that call in and they're looking for tips on how to become a creator or an influencer. They're asking us, how do we build our audience? How do I, you know, I have 300 people following me right now. How do I turn that into 300,000? And we say, yeah, you know what? That's not really our, our business model. And we might point them towards some resources to see if they can help themselves out. But for somebody that's actually done it, for somebody that started with an idea and has built it up and has over 200,000 followers now, how did you do it? Or what were the different, I guess, um, elements that help you get to where you are today? Um, so to be honest, at, at first, if I like dial back to when things were starting and then things started to become successful or grow, the two biggest factors um, that worked in my favor were time and uh, taking shitty pictures. So I'll explain the shitty picture thing in a bit. It's easier to start with time. So what I mean by time is when I started, um, there was nobody really selling, you know, space on their account. There was not a ton of content creation going on in on Instagram in terms of like creators doing this for, for brands or agencies. So I started at a time where it was very easy to, well, not, I don't want to say very easy, but it was much easier to grow organically. Um, so time, I, I feel like, although I, I work very hard at what I've done, it definitely um, was on my side. It, I, I don't know how people start today with like so much uh, noise out there, with so much competition, with just a sea of, of people trying to do um, what I do. There was, uh, there was far less competition, and I don't mean competition as in just solely in terms of like other food accounts, but I mean there was just less um, things competing for my audience's attention. So that is what I mean in terms of time. And then with shitty pictures, how that helped me was uh, coming in to doing this, even though I didn't have a big social media experience or a lot of experience, I should say, with social media prior, I did understand that like in terms of like getting people to buy into what you're doing or to like you in life, like you've got to show genuine engagement. I know engagement's a word that gets thrown around a lot in the space that we all kind of navigate in. But just if you look at it from like a, a personal or a life standpoint, if you show that you're interested, you know, people always say like if you have trouble talking to people or meeting people, like 
or you know you're out on a date and you're struggling like ask questions like people like to have the light shown on them as we all do so with myself as i i was making sure to like engage with people who were doing what i did but like on a level that i thought was phenomenal and i also made sure even though i was very terrible at what i was doing initially anybody who was nice enough to you know leave a comment or ask a question i would reply and answer back with them it didn't matter if they had a large account or a small account i was really more just about connections so connecting with people and having genuine engagement was really really big but all the while i was taking just terrible photos that i thought were great at the time and then i was just one day i was kind of searching for some inspiration and i just noticed that there was people really really good and that was kind of what kept me going is that i was like i can get better because there's people that are doing a great job of it so one day i asked uh about six or seven of my favorite accounts if they wouldn't mind if i featured them uh all on the same day on my account i think i created a hashtag called like eat famous feature friday so it did two things so i think everybody said yes and so that did two things it first off um you know made relationships that i was trying to build stronger and it made my baby because this one day a week um you were getting great quality photos <laughs> instead of my garbage photos and that also pushed me to do better uh, so those are the two really early things that helped, like time, which I know I can't really, this is probably terrible advice because we don't have DeLoreans. I can't send somebody back to when Instagram started. Uh, but in terms of that engagement piece, that was, um, that was huge at the beginning. According to brandwatch.com, over 40 billion photos have been shared on Instagram so far. Instagram alone sees 3.5 billion likes every day and 95 million posts are made every day. It's difficult to sift through that content, carve through the noise, find your own brand and an audience. I'm sure at this point for you, you want to attract new followers while maintaining that loyalty that your current followers have given you. There must be a certain pressure to stay on top. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's struggle is a perfect, perfect uh, way to describe it because, I mean, you know, you have to do it. So you push through. And it can be it can be tough. Um, so I think for me, what helped a little while ago kind of reinvigorate things, and it, it seems like a long time ago, but I guess it hasn't. I don't think it's been even half of the period of time that the account's been active. But when I first started out, uh, basically every food account, food account, sorry, that I followed was was faceless. Uh, the food was front and center. It was the total identity of your account was basically, um, you know, your photos. And as I noticed, you know, more people started creating food accounts, and the Toronto food Instagram scene started getting bigger. And once uh, I guess people like Tom were able to really get restaurants and brands to understand that this is a viable option for promotion you saw like this huge explosion of like a ton of restaurants hosting um events and tastings like round the clock so you've got people who are getting better the 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 pool of people that are creating content is growing and you're finally having restaurants be responsive because early when i started they just thought it was crazy or they maybe thought some people were just trying to like mooch free meals or whatever but the the attitude definitely shifted so we were being brought in in droves you know for tastings and then whatever the it food was everybody would go 
and photograph that uh, video wasn't as big at the time but everybody was um basically doing the same things i felt like the scene was almost like homogenizing what i mean by that is if no matter what even if you had a stylistic difference from another creator we were still all photographing like the same hot restaurant the same food trends and i felt like although i had a leg up in terms of having a larger following than some of my peers the one thing that was repeating itself is like everybody was sharing the same stuff the only thing i have different that nobody can replicate is myself so i feel like when i started to truly make myself the face of the account um that kind of reinvigorated not even just like my my interest in being able to kind of push through because it can be a little tedious as fun as uh, food is. I love food. I've been able to travel. All those things are, are fantastic. I'm a really social person, so the networking aspect is great, but it can still be a little bit of a grind. Do you want to be the face of the brand or do you feel like you have to be the face in order to stay relevant or to keep things fresh? Um, to be honest, I, I have no problem with it. I was definitely camera shy early on. I made the decision just around the same time that Snapchat was getting popular and stories were kind of finding their footing on Instagram. So the good thing is, is that unless you were somebody um, with like on camera experience, which as far as I know, not a lot of the people in the food scene were, we were all kind of like stumbling and fumbling at the same time. So you had time to grow. Um, and now that most people I know incorporate stories into a part of um, their brand or their platform. Uh, now it's it's very regular, but early on, I didn't. I, I was self conscious, but I got a lot of like positive feedback and reinforcement because a lot of people were just so intimidated by it. So the fact that I was just willing to try kind of had people championing me and saying, "Hey, like we love that you're brave enough to do this." So I don't mind being the face of it. I do feel like it was crucial to differentiate myself uh, but it's, it's odd there's a lot of great large accounts who um are totally like brand first or or food or event first and you you may not see them but in talking to them um they all kind of recognize that you know to, to stand out or to get people to um not that people won't care, but there's a different connection when you can associate not just like a high level of content, but a personality. Yeah, Ryan, I would definitely agree with that. And it's kind of interesting, you know, influencer marketing, creator media, this is not something that existed four or five years ago. Maybe bloggers kind of set the table for all of this, but the types of business opportunities that are available to content creators today is very different than it was, you know, three, four, five years ago. And you've lived through all of that. You started something before this existed and now you've been living through it and now you're probably getting much more interesting types of collaborations. So for everybody listening to this that is wondering about the business side of being a content creator, of having this large audience on Instagram, talk about the different business deals that you were offered in the beginning and how that's evolved over time. Of course. So um, the funny thing is, to be honest, Tom, when I first started the account, like I said, um, the foray into social was really just for other business purposes. And because the landscape wasn't shaped yet, it was kind of like the wild west. Like there weren't really any rules or expectations to be had. So the, the first time uh, a company reached out to me and they sent an email, uh, I think it was maybe at about somewhere in between five or 10,000 followers, like a, a large number for the time. And it's still a very good number now these days. 
and someone sent an email saying, hey, we'd love to um, advertise on your page. I literally treated it like one of those uh, emails that you get that saying like, you know, I'm a foreign prince and my money's locked up in an account, send me a hundred dollars and I'll repay you. Like I, I was literally terrified by the prospect of it. So I just deleted the email. I thought somebody was just trying to uh, like trick me or scam me or something like that. So I didn't even respond to the person uh, a couple months later. I get another email uh, and it's similar in nature. Hey, we like your account. We'd love to be able to, to pay you some money to um, advertise. And it, again, it wasn't about my content creation at the time. It was just people wanting to use the space. It was basically like a billboard. And at that point I was like, okay, maybe this is legitimate, but I'm an artist. I don't want to <laughs> offend my um, audience and I don't want to sell out. So initially it, it went from me turning down opportunities and deals because it just it was foreign uh by the third time i was like okay um you cannot you know like turn away from the prospect of making some money like i understood that my account was doing well within the city and even internationally so i was like okay there, there i guess there's something here uh, the first company that i ever partnered with i'm i'm gonna butcher the name so i'm not gonna attempt to say it but they're um it was a it was a tomato sauce company out of the U.S. and I remember they sent stock images of um, just like their cans basically or jars and just wanted me to put it up. Uh, I think it was something like a hundred dollars for like three photos or something like that. And I remember more than the money or more than being excited about the opportunity was like going back and forth with them because they just wanted me to use basically like stock images and I, I was having like nervous fits about um, my followers who at that time, whether it was my own content that was getting better or the great stuff I was featuring uh, from people like them seeing this and being like appalled by, you know, the fact that they were being sold to. And I, one thing I've always kind of like felt about social is that like um, for all intents and purposes, like this stuff is is free. You know, I've, I've never paid to sign up for a social channel, right? So just as quick as I can, probably actually quicker than I can sign up, somebody can cut me loose. Like if Eat Famous offends you, bores you, annoys you, patronizes you, like you're gone, right? So um, I remember going back and forth and I think I convinced them, okay, I'll use one photo of your your branded stuff and there were no slides so I had to promise to do like two posts and then the next photo going up would be like um a stock photo I think I found online or a picture I took of myself of just pouring some generic sauce onto pasta because I understood that like although I was moving into a business um landscape I I, I everything was my my followers were everything and they remain everything to me um, fast forward it. So a couple more deals were things like that. Like it was, uh, either like small restaurants or brands like, you know, little brands that probably fighting for shelf space and understood way earlier than I did that this was, was a good place to be. I mean, Todd, I don't know about your experience with the agency early on, but like in these early deals, like no one was asking for insights. No one was asking for, you know, performance. It was just, no one even asked me where I was from, uh, to be honest, because initially, like right now I, I post all of my own content. So I'm back to that. But there was a point when the features were working, eFamous was maybe 50% features, 50% mine, maybe, in, maybe even 60, 40 tilting towards, um, 
me repurposing other people's content. That wasn't just like screen grabbing or taking it. Um, the first post, the first picture, I'm getting a little off track, but I just want to tie it back. First picture I ever posted, I, I, I created the hashtag eat famous. So my deal was if anyone, if I asked somebody to repurpose something, um, or they tag something eat famous, then, you know, you have a chance to be featured. Even that hashtag has been used over 3.5 million times now, but back then, um, you know, it, it was both my content. There could be stuff from Australia. There could be stuff from anywhere. Um, and companies weren't really asking. They were really just concerned with the fact that I had a large number of followers. They weren't asking, um, you know, male, female, and they didn't care about ages. So that that's also a huge change that I've seen. After um, a handful of like rest, like small one-off restaurant things, then um, agencies started to reach out. And then that led to more, um, you know, long-term relationship contracts. So things for like a year, six months, or or multiple um, pieces of content being posted over uh, a series of time. So I, I've done work now, like long-term work with American Express, uh, McDonald's. Uh, I've given creative content for the Raptors, Hershey's. Uh, it's it's been great to to partner with brands that I feel like are reflective of who I am. I, and it can't be a slippery slope because like with Eat Famous, if you look at it, you may not see a guy that eats McDonald's, but I do. So even when working with, with brands that don't seem like a natural fit, we always have to work to um, have the integrity of what I created match, like line up with, you know, their goals and what they want to see, but also not having anybody who follows feel like it's off or it's just a partnership for money. Yeah, it's definitely interesting because the analytics side of the industry has really been evolving over the last number of years. It used to just be how many people are following you. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a big number. Great. Okay, let's do something. And nowadays it's, hey, but you know, who's following you? Where do they live? Are they male? Are they female? What are their interests? How old are they? And you want to get much more granular in terms of how brands are selecting the people that they choose to partner with. Now, I'm curious talking with you about how it works from your perspective, how do you know when it's a good deal? How do you know when it's something, an opportunity, a brand that you'd really like to partner with? And the follow-up to that is once you've selected a brand or once you know, yes, I'm really interested in this brand. It seems like a really good partnership and I feel good about their products or services. How do you know how to price your services? How do you know when it's a good financial deal for you? Right. Um, so I guess the, to the first part, in terms of figuring out what to do, um, it, sometimes it, it can be very, very easy. Like you wouldn't believe the amount of like slimming teas or, or teeth whiteners that come my way. And I'm just like slimming tea. Like, have you seen Eat Famous? Like, um, so right away, if a lot of times, whether it's um, a company that's well known or somebody that you know, you could tell they have budget, but if their approach isn't indicative of them going past my follower account, then right away it's very, very easy to like get rid of um, get rid of those asks off the top. Uh, there was actually something to be honest that I heard on uh, your pod that you guys were discussing, and it was talking about choosing the um, the correct partners, um, kind of looking at at the long the long game you know, and being, you know, able to think about like 
if I partner with this person today, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll have something to add to my resume and some income coming in, but then does this negate me being able to work with uh, other people who are kind of in the same lane that might be a better, better fit for me. Um, pricing. Wow. That has at times, and maybe a little bit still, even with a little bit of experience been the bane of my existence. Um, I think money is one of those things that we don't always lump it in with like, don't talk about religion or politics. Uh, but I feel like money's like that. It's such a, it's such a personal thing. It's such, um, a prideful thing. And although the irony is like, we're in a time where we've shared like never before, I know there's a, a lot, a little bit of a, a tight lipped, um, attitude that goes on amongst like creators and peers. And I'm sure part of it has to do with like some people, you know, um, maybe just a not knowing, uh, some people have a mentality like a crab in a barrel mentality where they feel like they don't want to let you know what they're getting because they feel like the pie is only so big. Uh, some of us, I know sometimes like I know I've, I've underquoted and like, you know, you think, oh, wow, I have this. Sometimes you're talking to people and someone with an account, maybe, you know, a fraction the size of mine or like less engagement. And they've told me what they got. And then you start to feel insecure. You're like, oh, I'm an idiot. Like I didn't price high enough. Um, I try to research. I, I'm lucky enough also to um, to have some some peers and contemporaries who, who I trust, who we've developed like open relationships with. And we we just overshare. Um, whether that means, you know, being awakened to the, to the fact that maybe you missed out on a couple hundred or a couple thousands or whatever, um, it, it's fine. You know, it, it's fine. Especially again, like if we go back to, uh, playing, you know, a long game, there's, uh, there's, there, but there, and there are resources too. Um, and then sometimes I just feel like, you know, you've, you've got to determine, more than knowing, I think pricing is like knowing, like put a value on yourself and put a value on your time and really what it's worth. And a lot of times if I, I would think you probably, you guys would both know this, like if a brand really wants to work with you, even if you quote high, they're going to come back with, um, you know, what I think they're prepared to spend, I hope. Um, and you know, you can usually work it out from there. So like you, I, I used to be afraid to quote high because I didn't want to seem greedy. Um, but now I, I just, I, I, I've tried to figure out what I feel like my, my time is worth and what I'm going to have to put into a project. I know that's not really an answer. No, no, that was a very honest answer. I know we've had this conversation before. It's hard not to look at the brand deals and take everything that comes with it seriously. Does all of that pressure in comparison with others doing something similar as you are have an impact on your mental health? It, it does. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'll share a little something. Um, just earlier this year, I had um, a, a little bit of a, a breakdown and it was weird. I was talking to somebody who, um, who kind of like, act, you know, they kind of work in this space, but they have a long history of doing brand deals and partnerships, kind of like um, they're definitely somebody who's ahead of their time. And very like respectfully and encouragingly, um, you know, they, they mentioned to me that based on, you know, not just the, the numbers, but the quality of work I was doing, um, like some of my quotes could come up on some stuff. And I remember 
um, I wasn't after, after the conversation, so we put down the phone and they, they made me feel great about what, you know, I'd be able to command in the future. And they didn't belittle me or make me, you know, feel bad personally. It was actually an awakening, but I remember all I could be concerned with was that like this person who I respect and who I didn't even know would take so much like time with me. I felt like I just like embarrassed myself to them because I felt like I was exposing a part of myself that didn't understand the business side of, of, uh, of the game. And I remember literally like falling to the floor. I was in the fetal position, just like shaking uncontrollably. And it was, uh, <laughs> it was a very, very tough moment. There was uh, some other things going on at the time. And I was thinking, wow, like, I mean, I, I've been able to do so much. This is, and I've not like, by no means have I, have I shorted myself like this. I've, I've done fairly well. And just, you know, through a conversation with someone who is showing respect and support. And then, I mean, a lot of times people deal with people who aren't respectful or people who are trying to get under their skin. I can't imagine how that would feel when someone who made me feel safe and, and valuable still through my own thoughts, it like crippled me. So there's a, there's a lot there. So that's why I'm all for open discussion with creators of like whatever level in terms of um, followers or experience. Do you think you can get to a certain level of success where the fun is completely sucked out of what you're doing because it becomes your job? Hmm, that uh, I do. I think it's, I think it's very possible. Um, it's uh it's, it's an interesting kind of thing because again, I, I mentioned earlier, like there's no blueprint for what we're kind of doing. We're all developing the rules kind of as we go forward. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I get recognized and that kind of stuff is, is fine and cool. But then there's also another side where, you know, if you are spending time with, with peers who do the same thing and, you know, sometimes you shadow your own success, like you can downplay things that are, are honestly great about you that you should be celebrating because um you know sometimes you don't want you don't want to be in a room sometimes and like the attention's only focused on you because you know everybody brings value to a room or an event or a space or a gathering so those were kind of things i had to work through as well um yeah so now that you've gone through the process of starting a channel, starting to develop some followers, all of a sudden it takes off a little bit. Wow, you're actually developing a bit of an audience. And then, whoa, this is really taken off. And I've got hundreds of thousands of followers and I'm getting business opportunities. And wait a minute, this is actually a business now. I can make money from this. This is crazy. And then getting recognized by people sometimes when you go out to different places, that's, you know, a lot has changed. A lot's happened and not necessarily even something that you had initially planned for. It's just starting to sort of evolved over time. So, um, throughout that whole process from it started out as an idea to, you know, massive audience being recognized sometimes when you go out and about, what has surprised you the most about that whole process? The most surprising thing is, um, how fast everything moved. So it went from a point where like, you know, my friends would be like, you're going to a restaurant to do what? Or like, my wife would be pulling her hair out because like she didn't understand why I had to take photos to, you know, other patrons in a restaurant, like looking at me like I had four heads to now, you know, I'll be at a restaurant just eating, just chilling with some friends and not, not even working. And I'll see a family of four and, you know, mom, dad, 
dad and dad, mom and mom, the kids, whoever, everybody's pulling out their phones to take, um, you know, photos of their food. And it, although just being a very small part of it, it, the most surprising thing is being a part of something that like shifted culture and shifted business. I think that that's incredible. And that's that, that's not like me, Ryan eat famous. That's like, um, you from the agency side and Bridget on like her side of things, like all of us that are kind of doing this thing. I think that's the most surprising thing. Like a lot of times, you know, shifts in, in culture, like it feels like it has to be such a large scale event. Like we're talking, you know, like voting rights and, um, I'm not, not like paralleling these things or wars, but like usually there's momentous events that like shift culture and behavior. So to be a part of a shift, I think that's the most surprising thing. You know, I've never even really thought about that just because I've never been good at taking pictures. I don't take too many pictures. I'm not a content creator myself, but that's got to be wild for you to, you know, once upon a time, people looked at you funny when you're taking all of these pictures. Now you go to that same restaurant and look around and boom, everybody is taking selfies. Everybody's taking pictures of their food. It's just sort of everywhere in society. Um, you're kind of ahead of the curve that way, I suppose, just in terms of how people are producing and consuming media nowadays. Um, so that's quite a change, like a societal change. Things are evolving and just in terms of our media consumption habits. And I'm curious, as all that has taken place and you've been riding that wave, what has that sort of taught you about yourself along the way? Maybe something that you're working on or something that you're proud of, um, whatever the case may be, but what's something that throughout this process and this journey that you've learned about yourself that might be a little surprising? Um, so what I, I think I learned, um, like how to, to value, um, time. And what I mean by that is that although this has done so many, um, incredible, incredible things for me, like in terms of career, opportunity um you know sometimes you go back and you you know i i there's some people who do great jobs of like journaling and just kind of like taking the time to like remember you know their process of whatever and it's weird because although eat famous or even like my personal instagram account they're not complete accounts of like my life they do serve as like um of as like, you know, these little timestamps and moments that sometimes you forget and you never want to like lose appreciation for good things just because you have an abundance of them. Um, so one thing I learned about myself is like how much I value uh, time and um, that time, especially with, with people that like matter and that I, I care about. Um, because it, when you're going back through that, it's like being able to like bring all of my friends, um, you know, to to a restaurant or, um, you know, have a trip offered and I can bring my wife with me or like my parents being like, yo, we saw you on TV, like and just having those kind of moments um, that, yeah, I, I, I learned that I really do, although if it might like the optics might be that I live like very kind of fast with a whole bunch of different experiences. I really value like that time in between. Ryan, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about your history with food. In the last year, I've learned about your past struggles with food. You lost a lot of weight and took on this new lifestyle before Eat Famous actually came along. Now, there is a level of irony here because you completely changed your lifestyle for the better, but we see you on social media indulging 
in the most gluttonous of foods. How did you make that transition and how were you able to find that balance now knowing where you came from? Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it wrapped, completely wrapped in irony. So I mean, I spent most of my, uh, I, I, I was like, to be nice to myself, a chubby kid. Like I um, wasn't very, very active and didn't really understand food um, and, you know, carried a lot of weight for a long time. Thank God for like 90s hip hop, like triple XL hoodies and size 42 jeans that like allowed me to mask it a little bit. Um, but at that point when I decided that, you know, I had to make a change in my life, um, thankfully I had a lot of, uh, a lot of support and it finally clicked. And I know a lot of people that whether it's, um, you know, struggling with, with weight gain or loss or whatever. Um, a lot of times it's never just that first time out of the gate that you're going to find success. And then sometimes, you know, those times where you failed, they come compound and you just feel like you don't want to even attempt because you feel like you're laying yourself down. But at the time when it actually clicked and we're talking now, you know, over, over 10 years ago now, um, you know, I was able to, to completely change my life. I became active. I educated myself about food. And then the weirdest thing happens is I find myself in a world where, especially at the beginning before, um, you know, business deals or business deals, you were being compensated or paid or rewarded or thanked in food, um, you know, and not just being the, the average um, or, you know, uh, I'm not a, a food blogger, Instagrammer who just covers one type. Like I, like Bridget said, like I cover very indulgent over the top things. That's the style that works for the brand. And that's what I, I feature. And the, a, a tough part of it early on, uh, two things were tough. So first off, um, you know, this was bringing me joy and success. And then I remember getting terrified because I was like, I can't go back to that old person and this could be like a one-way one-way trip there uh i know bridget like one of your words <laughs> that you're not a big fan of is authenticity but um in terms of like being authentic on my page like when i say like i do eat the stuff for uh for for a couple of reasons i want it to be real and then also to just another discussion for another day like i'm a I'm not into food waste. I feel like, you know, there are a lot of things in this world that should make us feel pretty ashamed if we're wasting food. So I knew that if I was going to continue, um, you know, I, I had to figure something out. Um, so, you know, diet and exercise are still like a very, very big part of my life. I practice intermittent fasting, but what thing I wasn't doing um, and part of what made me decide to share my story about my weight loss a little bit on on social was would for the most part be very very because most of my followers I hope they're enjoying what I do so a lot of the comments were you know positive or inquisitive or just people like you know expressing the fact that they enjoy what I'm doing but there was definitely a percentage small but consistent of people that you know would throw things at me like oh you're the reason why heart disease is rampant. You should kill yourself. Oh, I, I guarantee you're not going to be here next year. You're going to die. And I remember before I just used to be like, you know what? Those people are ignorant. And at first, <laughs> I think I would reply 
probably harshly. And then I learned a little bit of social etiquette. I was like, you know, ignore. But then I remember thinking, you know what, Rye, like, um, although I understand moderation, although I understand that optics do not equal reality, I was the person before who didn't understand food, who couldn't tell you what a calorie was, who never made an attempt to work out. So I said, you know what, as much as I could say those people were ignorant in terms of their comment, I had ignorance around, um, you know, how I treated my body. So I felt like I needed to shift my disdain for people who left negative comments and maybe open up a little more. So I started every now and then, not a lot, because I still, you know, um, wanted the page to be true to itself, but I, I shared a, a couple of before and after photos and it was the most, um, well, at first it was the scariest thing I ever did online, but then it became the most rewarding because I was like flooded with DMs about people, um, you know, who a were asking questions or saying, you know, they were so relieved because like, they sometimes feel like they have to unfollow me or they want to be able to like have what I have, but they don't because they didn't think that they'd be able to have balance. And it opens dialogues that were just so valuable and people were sharing their stories like via DM, a couple of people put it on there. And um, I'm really a, like a big believer in um, there's so many re like, you know, there's going to be a ripple effect. So do I, am I sitting here saying that like the reason for eat famous was for some people who might've been going through issues with esteem or weight loss to, to see some light. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that, but to me, honestly, that like trumps getting, you know, deals or contracts or like having a, a photo go on the explore tab or blow up. So, um, yeah, it, it's been something I, I don't know if I do it enough, but the times when I do, share it it's yielded great results hashtag authentic you know what i dislike the word i don't hate it because i just think it's overused now i'm not saying this because you're my friend but i know you and i know the content you're creating and i think we can attribute your transparency to your success in some way i mean we see these delicious savory photos we want to indulge in every day that you're posting but we can and you talk about the reality of that yeah. Like if I always tell people to, cause the, the number one question I get is, um, if it's not like, how did you grow your following? It's how are you not 500 pounds? Um, so, you know, I always let people know like, yeah, I eat what's on my account, but I always, you know, you try to, to, um, to let them remember, like, this is Instagram. Like I control when it's posted. You know what I mean? Like it's not a live cam, right? when I'm at home, it, it's smoothies, it's salads, um, you know, it's the gym. And although Eat Famous has a very, very specific look and feel and purpose, I do feel like it is my responsibility to, you know, inject a little bit of truth for people. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that like, anyone should just be looking at Instagram and thinking like, whatever they see is just a completely accurate image of what, you know, that brand or that person represents. But I still understand that, you know, we live in a world where people are heavily reliant on what pops up on these phones. So if I can provide like a little bit of clarity um, and also reassurance to know, like for people to know that it is, it is possible to, um, you know, enjoy yourself, but you've just got to be able to prepare to like work 
so that you can do it. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I mean, I'm curious, you've been doing this for quite some time now. And when you first started this, you probably didn't envision where Instagram was headed and where social media was necessarily headed and the branded partnerships and deals that could be coming your way in the years to come. And so I would imagine your goals in the beginning versus your goals nowadays are probably very different. So I'm I'm curious, do you have longer term goals? Do you have big ambitions in terms of what you want to do with this channel or do you not think in those terms? Right. So I think initially, um, I mean, the goals, <laughs> it's it's weird to think that I was able to thrive with like such a, I think, a narrow view of it. But um, initially it was it was likes and follows like it, I was literally just trying to grow um, awareness and have like a very popular or actually to be honest my goal is to have the most popular and the biggest food account uh food account on instagram like that was and still kind of is a goal uh but right you know it's changed it's shifted it's secondary um so i mean through working with uh with brands and working with agencies you guys know that like you know they have an idea and then you you try to find people to work with that can execute on that idea and help you translate that to to their followers and you know hopefully make their followers yours um on a macro level but i as well as being able to to execute um i know from myself i have a lot of ideas so i love being part of of campaigns i love helping bring somebody's vision to fruition but i also know that i want to be able to create something that um i feel like because you know influence has been recognized in in creators um we should be able to to do a little bit more leading so i don't want to have a situation where i'm only ever responding to you know what a corporation or or a brand has laid out for you know their next couple quarters or their next few campaigns i i want to be able to truly partner with them in terms of um, providing ideas and insights, not just kind of reacting. And I would love to be able to create a space where I can empower some other creators to to, to do more. Um, I, I love working collaboratively. And if I could have a situation where, you know, you, you just create spaces where like, um, you know, brand agency and creators can kind of like come together as opposed to like having, okay, this is like my one time for us to work together, or this is just laid out. Um, yeah, kind of like just a creative hub. That's what I'm looking at where ideas are on, on both sides of it. So if you need execution, we can provide that, but also I would love people to come to me for my ideas as well. Okay, I'm just looking at some statistics here, guys. Food blogs, still one of the most popular blogs out there, which is no surprise. It comes second after fashion blogs and just before travel blogs. Huh. Where do you think the food side of social media is going and where do you think it'll end up? Um, so where I think it's going is um, I think we're going to get more user-generated content and not that a chef's menu or whatever you almost see it in that way i feel like we're gonna figure out so i always get asked um you know are you afraid of like when instagram dies or goes away 
And, you know, my answer three years ago would have been like, I'm jumping out of the building. Actually, no, I'm going to go to the top of the building and jump off the building. But then I, you look at like the, I'm sorry not to deviate from your question, but you look at the platform um, for what it is, right? And say Instagram was to go, yeah, we most of us creators, we'd have to start again. But I find that people are good. If they're good at something, like they're just going to go find somewhere else to be good at it. Like say for whatever reason, there was some scandal or the cash was being funneled. Like Tom, I know you have a, a history as a sports guy. Say like, the NBA collapses, right? Like somebody's just going to pull together resources and get LeBron, get Westbrook, get Harden, you know, get Kawhi and form a new league, right? So say Instagram was to go, um, the people who are good at it, because Instagram, it, it, I mean, technically, yeah, it's a platform, but really it's, it's, showing that you know we have a need for social validation and we have a need to share so the next platform if a platform replaces it it's just going to be one that expands upon that and where i see like instagram going even with just like some of the little things that are thrown into stories and what have you it just kind of allows us to do more on the creative end so i think in the food space we're going to have situations where customization personalization um unique one-off experiences that that's where it's going you know uh like secret menus um you know being able to have more like because now people have access to their their favorite chefs right like you can just dm anybody and if i have an idea and i have the means you can usually get it done so i feel like the space is gonna go like hyper-personalized in terms of food. I agree with that completely. And it's kind of funny because a couple times over the years, I've been asked the question, you know, if influencer marketing dies, what would happen to the influence agency? How would that impact your business? And the reality is that marketers move towards wherever the eyeballs are. Marketers move towards wherever the action is. There's action working with creators and in influencer marketing right now. But guess what? That wasn't always the case. Not that long ago, it wasn't actually. You know, we started off with email and display banners and people moved towards SEO and paid search and then social evolves and then social advertising comes in. And guess what? Now people are paying less attention to brands on social. So we partner with influencers who we can then leverage their audience to bring more attention to the brands and it'll continue to evolve. And at the end of the day, we're consuming more media now than we ever have before. People are addicted to their phones. People are watching more video than ever before, looking at pictures more than ever before. And it's kind of tricky to imagine that coming to a screeching halt but you know however that does play out people will just evolve exactly and just because the platform goes like the people that made it like that infrastructure could be gone but like the pieces that make it great and which for me instagram it's their creators that's why i wasn't super concerned about the uh the like thing and i know i mean i've cried foul <laughs> bridge has probably heard me like complain about the algorithm to like no ends um, and it, it's, it's still a real thing, but I feel like at the end of the day, you said it, Tom, like we're still uh, like consuming a ton of content. So sure. Some of the numbers on like the ways that we used to be able to measure things are down a little bit, but the consumption of content, the creation of content, that's not slowing. And a lot of times too, in these downtimes, like it's actually good because the people that are not in it for the right reasons, the people who aren't committed, they're the ones that kind of like fall by the wayside. The ones who have invested time and care about it and really just want to share 
um, they'll stick around and then that cream kind of rises to the top again. So this could just be like a cleansing period as well. Honestly, I can't thank you enough for joining us and talking about this. It's been so insightful. Thank you. you guys have been fantastic. This was a great way to spend spend a Monday. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. It was awesome chatting with you and best of luck with fatherhood. I'm sure you're going to do great.